Today on the pod, we talk about our favourite, not that favourite, favourite the movie to be precise. We also find out what happens to Bruce Willis after 20 years of being on that damn train in the conclusion to the Unbreakable trilogy titled Glass. We also go through our Oscar nominations and give a quick fire round over who we think will win. And finally, we talk silly. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It is the podcast that stayed up till two in the morning just to find out that its favourite film was not nominated for an Oscar. Anyway, speaking of my Golden Globe, I'm going to bring you to my host for this evening. You know him as John, I know him as Deska, also know him as Hey You Behind the Bushes. John, how you doing, pal? I'm amazing and I'm not behind the bushes. Thank you very much. You're in in my face. I'm in my bedroom with you. It's just (laughs) the only place I want to be. Uh, apologies if I'm mincing my words today. I went to the dentist yesterday and just like a mechanic, they always find a problem. I had an hour and a half's worth of root canal. Yes, that's right, kids. The Brits do have bad teeth. Look after them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shocker. Anyway, should we start on with our first review? Yes. My bones break easily. I've had 94 breaks in my life. But you have an extraordinary IQ. This is not a cartoon. This is the real world. No way. And yet. So, John, M. Night Shyamalan, what does that name mean to you? Shyamalan? Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I always say Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I think think as long as you're nice about him, he doesn't care what you say, how you say it. I sort of grew up on those movies, and I was obsessed with them, in a way, especially when you didn't know the twist. I genuinely still think The Village is a good movie and I will defend it uh, forever. Obviously, Sixth Sense is a classic. Unbreakable, brilliant. Uh, He's definitely had some stinkers. Signs was very good as well. Did he do The Happening? Um, Possibly. I think he did. That was terrible, wasn't it? The only problem after a few, the twist is gone because if it's got his name on it, there's going to be a big twist. Yeah, and that, that's kind of leading the point of my review of Glass. So for the uninitiated, Glass is the unintended trilogy. Um, it's even names like the Train Trilogy all of a sudden. Basically, Unbreakable was the first film starring Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson. Uh, I think it was in the was it in two yeah in two thousand when it was released. And uh, then last year, Split came out of nowhere uh, with James McElroy in playing the lead role, or should I say roles. And uh, there was a post-credit stinger that basically built up a trilogy and put these three films together. Glass is supposed to be the conclusion being a sequel to Unbreakable and a sequel to Split and concluding the whole story. Now, this is where, uh, A, it's a bit confusing from that standpoint. If you haven't seen Split, it's absolutely amazing. James McElroy essentially plays a character who suffers from multiple personality disorder. In fact, 20 multiple personality disorders and one of them may or may not have superhero like abilities right sounds like an actor's wet dream to oh. be able to just 
skip from character to character. Yeah, he he really does, basically. He's amazing in that. I generally think he deserves an Oscar nomination in Split uh, that year for his performance. And it could have been for supporting actor, supporting <laughs> actress, because there's female Split personalities he goes into. Like he, Any one of them you wouldn't have an argument with. And he carries that character for into this film. Now, this is set in the Unbreakable universe, so Bruce's character is still in this film as David Dunn. We've got Samuel Jackson being Elijah in this as well. So basically what has happened is 20-odd years has happened since the events of Unbreakable. Bruce Willis's character is roaming the streets, being a vigilante defender who is unbreakable, but water is his kryptonite, as we've known from the first film. Samuel Jackson has been in a care home, sedated for a very long time. You don't know exactly how long for. And basically Samuel Jackson happens to stumble upon James McElroy's character, who unfortunately, he's, spoiler alert, he's not a good guy. And uh, they end up inside this care home altogether, basically believe they're all crazy. And M. Night Shyamalan's trying to toe the line between are they superheroes or if you convince someone enough, will they be able to perform the extraordinary? So if you tell Bruce Willis that he is strong and strong and strong and strong, would he have the strength to knock over a door if his life depended on it? There's an argument to say yes. You know, you hear those stories about a mother who lifts a car up over their child, all that sort of stuff. It tries to pull on those emotions. Now, the first third of this film is amazing. The the idea of James McElroy's uh, he calls them the Horde, the name of his multiple personalities, coming together against Bruce Willis's character for the first time. It's brilliant, spellbinding. It sets up a promise that there's going to be a clash and tension of two massive titans in a way which you had no idea it was coming and you have no idea how it's going to conclude. The second act is with them all inside this care home. Now, the third act where I believe the film goes absolutely off the rails, terrible, is when it tries to set up a promise of this big conflict between Samuel Jackson, uh, James McElroy's character, and Bruce Willis's character. And again, uh, M. Night Shyamalan trying to be the man with the twist, the man who always makes you go, ah, they were dead all along. Uh, That's not a spoiler, they're not dead all (laughs) along. Um, Tries to screw with you. And as a result of that, the film is so much worse off. That third act is terrible. Oh, that's very disappointing because I was sort of excited about this because I do think Unbreakable is a underrated movie. Um, so how do you suggest I watch this? First, third, and then forget the rest of it exists? I suggest uh, watch it, but don't have high hopes. Um, Split is a great film. and they should have just stopped. Yeah, they should have just stopped there, to be honest. James McElroy is absolutely incredible in this, though. He carries on that performance into this film. He... Every one of his 20 characters has a moment to shine, believe it or not. And uh, and he switches between them so well. There's a scene where basically when he's in the nut house, they have found a way of suppressing one of his personalities. Basically, if he has a light flashed at him at high intensity, that will make a personality subside mm. and another personality will come through. Now, when they're trying to interview him, and actually I should give a shout out to... Um, to Sarah Paulson, she plays a character in this is basically in charge of the, the care home. She's trying to find out what makes James McElroy's character tick. And uh, there's a scene where he basically jumps from character to character. His body language changes. He got hench for this role because one of his personalities is called the Beast, which is basically the soup, what he believes to be the superhuman element of his character. It is literally a, a beasting person. It climbs up walls. It it 
eats people. It's a, That's the one in the trailer, right? That's the one in the trailer, mm. right? And he switches between these characters so f uh, fluidly in a way which generally makes you think this is a different person. One of his characters is a nine-year-old boy and he switches between that and some southern belle mid-40s lady to his beast and everything in between of that and he deserves an Oscar for this performance. Uh, Bruce Willis, on the other hand, now it's it's been long documented that Bruce Willis uh, has been struggling to uh, put his all into roles uh, of late over the last sort of ten years, from films like Cop Out to some of those more broader comedies he's done. He's been struggling to find the role that really brings out his his acting chops. He doesn't give a crap anymore. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, I think he's phoning it in. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it shows in this, which is such a shame because everyone, including myself, holds hope that the old boy still got it, and there's some <laughs> real good uh, good stories to be told with him. But yeah, you've got such a great character. I think even M Night Shyamalan knows this because Bruce's character is pretty much wasted in this. He's he might as well have not been in it to an extent. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Samuel Jackson, he doesn't have much in this neither, but he does steal the scenes that he is in. There's only one thing, and the internet picked up on this. Samuel Jackson's, or Elliot, I should say, his mum visits him a lot, and she's actually a key narrative point in the film. Now, Samuel Jackson's quite an old guy already, mm. and they managed to cast someone to look like his mum, but she's actually five years his junior in real life. <laughs> wow. He does look good for his age. He does look very good for his age. And, uh, yeah, whenever you see him as uh, as Nick Fury in the Marvel movies, you forget that he's actually he's actually playing someone far younger than, than he actually is. So, so that's, you know, fair play to him. Um, I'm going to go... I'm struggling to say it, but it's a three out of five because of James McElroy. Without James McElroy's performance, it's a one. Like oh, it's, wow. That's, that's how much he carries this film. He goes balls deep in this. He's absolutely incredible. And um, again, if you like Split, you're going to get something out of this with his performance in uh, in Glass. But if you're hoping for this, oh my God, it's a return to form. It's a return to the king, the man with the twist, the guy who can write stories that that makes you think about the world in a different way. This is not that film, and you're going to be disappointed. What do we call you, sir? First name, Mister. Last name. News. Right, so there was a shit ton of news last week, 40 minutes worth to be precise, and I got a tweet from one of our followers saying, I love you when you cover the news, but you can have too much of a good thing. Well, that being said, you are right, sir. We're going to keep it short and sweet this time. I'm just going to talk about Oscar nominations. Now, we mentioned it before that last year was a cracking year for film, but I don't know if the nominations reflect that for the Oscars this year. Would you agree, John? Yeah, I kind of had the feeling I, it hadn't really hit me until I saw the nominations and I kind of felt this year hasn't been as strong as previous years. Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of good movies, but I'm just not sure the field is as strong. Yeah, I also think that the Oscars don't represent what people actually like. Like, I look through the last year of film and it's probably about four or like one at least every month there was a four or five uh, rated film not just from us but like the world like if you looked on Rotten Tomatoes or looked at any other film website they would be so, yeah I thought it was a good year for film box office definitely suggests that think about how many films broke the billion dollar mark mm -hmm. over the last year and it's not really reflected in this anyway that being said the Oscars isn't just a, a one reflection of quality but Considering there's a billion and one categories, shall we just take our bets, go through each category and just shout what our winner, we think the winner's going to be? Let's do it. Right. Best picture. The big one. I'm going with Black Panther. 
Okay, of course, you're staying loyal to the... Uh... Um, I'm glad it's still here, Ryan Coogler. Um, obviously, there's a lot of goodwill towards this film, and Ryan Coogler is an amazing director. And uh, if I look at the other films in that list, I just don't see them being able to topple this. I want to see uh, Roma get it. Um, I reviewed it, I loved it. I loved it far more than I thought I would, and it just took me by surprise. Alfonso Cuaron is a bit of a, a genius. He's fast becoming one of my favourite directors. And yeah, I'd like to see a kind of a streaming gem get it. I think that would be quite a moment for this podcast, and that's what it's all about, <laughs> of course. All right, that being said then, go on then for the next big one. Best director. I'm going to give it to Alfonso Cuaron, of course, for the very same reasons. You? Yeah, I'll go with that as well. I, ha- I should point out we haven't seen every film in the running here, and there's a there's a rant we can have about why films that are not in general release should not be in Oscar <laughs> nominations, but that's for another time. Um, yeah, if I look at the rest in that list, I think Alfonso probably has nailed it from that perspective. Um, yeah, no Ryan Coogler, though. You get your film gets nominated for best picture, but you don't get nominated for best director. Mm. Also, should point out it's a right sausage fest, isn't it? Best director, it is. So yeah, that's like sure two we'll steps forward, one step back. But mm. anyway, best actor um, for me, I'm gonna. Oh, it's got to be Rami Malek for me. I thought he's he's nailed it. It's hard. To, yeah, I mean, I really want to see Vice. Further to your rant. Uh, we haven't been able to see Vice yet because it's not out till next week. And it's really annoying because I've heard so many good things. Obviously, in, Americans have seen it. Uh, we haven't. So I want to see Christian Bale and Vice because I feel like that might get it. Uh, Bradley Cooper, I mean, and Rami Malek, either one, I think. But Rami Malek, the uh, extent that he, you know, that la- the final performance was stunning. It deserves it for that. I yeah. think he'll get it. Yeah, I also though, although Sneaky Bet might be because Bradley Cooper was not nominated for Best Director, that might make him a shoo-in for this. But who knows? Anyway, let's let's buzz down. So Best Actress, um, I'm going with Lady Gaga for A Star Is Born. I think she's, from what I've seen, she's absolutely transcendent in it. Um, where do you go with that, John? Um, I'm not sure about that. I think Best Actress, I, I mean, Gaga's brilliant. I just feel like... It might be a bit of a, oh, yeah, but she's a singer that did a big blockbuster. You Is she know. up for best song as well for yes, Shallows? Yes, for Shallows. So that might, st- that might hold her back for this as mm. well. It's an easy excuse. You, <laughs> uh, you're going to get your statue. I'm glad you don't decide these things. You're very tactical. I am you? very tactical. Tactical <laughs> bets, mate. So where does it sit for you then? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Yelitsa Aparaccio, Roma. I'm sorry, Yelitsa, I just... Butchered your name, name, but uh, you get my uh, Oscar, and that's all that matters. Nice, right? Well, let's go best supporting actor. Um, I personally think Richard E. Grant is going to be the surprise package and get it. And we talked about it off mic quite a lot about how excited we are for him. Just check out his his Instagram post of how stoked he is to get this. Yeah, his reaction alone um, deserves deserves it, it. (laughs) and that's. The only criteria that it needs, really. As I say, though, I do think Sam Rockwell appears on every Best Supporting Actor nomination thing ever now because he was nominated <laughs> so much last year for Free Billboards and now he's popping up for Vice. Uh, maybe he'll be that guy who's always on the peripheral. Anyway, mm. Best Supporting Actress, which, by the way, is weird. Two from The Favourite. Very justifiably so as well. If you watch The Favourite, it 
would be a bit of a travesty to pick one over the other. They're both absolutely stunning. Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz, brilliant. I would give it to Emma Stone, as I'm going to talk about later in the uh, in the review. Well, I'll bow to your better judgment because I've only seen one film in the list that's up for that. <laughs> so by default, it would be Roma. But um, but yeah, I have a feeling that it's probably going to go to. Uh, either Rachel or Emma by the sounds of it so best adapted screenplay um, for me I'm probably going to go with Black Klansman um, I think Spike Lee was a breath of, yeah, with Spike Lee you either get cult smash hit or other and <laughs> I think he's gone with the with the cult smash hit mm. with this and uh, yeah it'll be good to see I'd be, love to hear what his, his speech would be yeah it'll be very uh, I'm sure interesting Star is Born for me uh, yep, yeah, I think they managed to reimagine it really, really well, like that. Original screenplay. Uh, so again, this is hard because Green Book and Vice have not come out yet, and the favourites only just come out. And First Reformed again, again, very similar to only just come out. It's probably going to be Roma. Um, it's best original story. Probably going to have the best director. So yeah, I think that's where it's going to lie. Animated feature. Well, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. There is no contest. Incredibles 2 is okay. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, Brad, lightning didn't strike twice. Uh, Isle of Dogs is great if you don't take into account the cultural inappropriation in that film. Mm. But yeah, look, Ralph Breaks the Internet is not that great. So Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Cool. So best foreign language film. Look, let's face it. Roma can't be in all those other nominations and not get best foreign language film. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Roma's cleaning clean up, isn't it? Unless Shoplifters gets like some honourable points for this, because that was a revelation. It made Barack Obama's list for, for film of the year. Um, best cinematography. Roma. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to clean it house. Roma. Um, best costume design. I think Black Panther will probably win it because it's probably not going to win Best Picture. Mm. Um, that being said, apparently Mary Queen of Scots looks incredible. And Mary Poppins Returns might get that as the sentimental vote because it does look pretty damn good, that film. Um, best film editing. For me, probably Bohemian Rhapsody. I think the editing of the Wembley scene in particular probably has clenched it. Yeah. Uh, makeup and casting. Look, we haven't. Uh, sorry, makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, I, I, why is this a category? I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate you need to honour people's talents, but I, I'm, I'm sure there's other mediums that that could be appreciated in. Um, best original score. Um, I'm surprised actually that this score doesn't have Bohemian Rhapsody in. I think it's because it's in like a production thing later on. But uh, it'll probably go Mary Poppins Returns again because if it doesn't get it's got it's a little gold man from there. It'll get it from somewhere else. Best original song, John. Where do you sit on this? Um, sh- I think Shallow deserves it because it just became such a hit, and it's one of them things that the whole movie caught the imagination of of everyone. Uh, is one of those movies that did that, and that song in particular. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Lady Gaga's songwriting. Uh, I do respect her for writing her own stuff. But that song, Brad, when Bradley Cooper starts singing it, you do feel something. So, yeah, definitely Shallows. Right, let's go real quick fire then. Best sound editing, where does it sit for you? Um, I haven't thought about it much, but <laughs> I'm going to go Quiet Place. I agree with you, Quiet Place is incredible. How they use silence 
you know that's that's enough in itself so then best sound mixing for that it's got bo rap yeah bo rap the way he mixes those uh vocals with freddie and rami to the point where it's all intertwined into one best of visual effects the only avengers infinity war oscar nomination in this list so by default that's where it's getting its oscar ready player one gets the uh shout out i almost forgot about that well there yeah, shows how good that film actually was if yeah we're just being reminded of it now uh, best uh, best animated short I've got to go with Bo um, the animation they put in front of Incredibles 2 and I think especially considering they're not going to win the Oscar for best animation for Incredibles 2 that'll be their consolation prize uh, best documentary short uh, again I haven't really seen any of them but I hear a lot of good things about Endgame and best live action short I'm hearing a lot about Skin being the winner for that so there you have it our quick rundown on the oscars what that means in terms of who we think is going to get what uh, if you think that we've missed something or not spoke of the film that you think deserves it then get in contact with us at talk filmy to me dearest queen you are mad giving me a palace it is a monstrous extravagance mrs molly we are at war we won oh it is not over we must continue oh oh i did not know that the queen is an extraordinary person Hello, John and Jamie here from Talk Filmy to Me. Hello. I'm J- quite honoured to be from Talk Filmy to Me. Wow, you're a contractor, really, okay. aren't you? <laughs> no, Jamie's regained her voice. You wouldn't have heard her in the last review. I was riding solo, but she was nodding along, weren't you, in support? I was, yeah, as always. As well. What a, <laughs> what a support blanket you are to me. Thank you. Um, so this week we are reviewing The Favourite, mm. a Queen Anne biopic maybe not biopic but uh so when do you think this is set just out of interest jamie just from watching it because there's from not a much, total guess from a total guess i thought it was maybe 1600s 1700s 1700s is around Ooh. yes queen anne had the throne for about 12 years from about 1700 i think so a short running monarch mm-hmm. um interestingly this film is actually quite it's a more historically accurate than I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. When I looked it up after we saw it, I was quite... I mean, I think the emotional side of it is potentially more speculation, but the the players, the characters and everything, those are all real people. Yes. Olivia Coleman plays Queen Anne, obviously a real person, and uh, it kind of revolves around her and Abigail, played by Emma Stone, mm-hmm. who uh, was a sort of servant who became a lady and was able to curry favour with the Queen. And also uh, Rachel Rice's character. Mm, which Sarah. Is Sarah, a very powerful long-term friend with the Queen. So I'm going to spoil it slightly because you don't know this for the very first part of the movie, but Sarah and Queen Anne have a thing, mm-hmm. a romantic relationship. Took me off guard. I wasn't expecting that, were me you? Me neither. No, I was no. not. I was not expecting it. So this is actually... We don't know if it's historically accurate, but there are accounts that it might have been, which is kind of a really interesting dynamic anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's it kind of revolves around these three women and also on the outer, uh, on the sort of outside, there are politics going through a lot of men jostling for position. Men definitely play a, f- a second fiddle in this movie, though, uh, interestingly. But the three female leads are... I mean, it's all about their performances, isn't it? Yeah, I was really impressed with all of their performances. You know what, though? Can I say something quick? I have heard very mixed reviews for this film. 
uh, just word of mouth, like people in my cast and where I work. What are they saying? Because you hang out with famous people, so it's well, important to know. I can't, I can't identify any of the famous people's opinions. I will. <laughs> but one of my co-workers really hated it and thought that Emma Stone was the weak point of the film, which I thought was crazy. Name and shame. <laughs> no. I am going to go... Uh, speaking as a professional film reviewer, <laughs> I will go out on a limb and say Emma Stone actually stole it. Uh, Olivia Colman's getting all the plaudits, and rightly she should. She plays this Trumpian queen, this mm. belligerent, uh, childlike, goes around in a wheelchair but can walk, mm. uh, has these hissy fits, very Trumpian, and which is kind of funny to see the parallels uh, with a 17th century queen. Oh, I didn't really think of that. But um, Emma Stone, for me, steals it because her character is so deeply... There's so many layers to Mm. her and you... She completely just takes you to every layer. It's really clear. It would be so easy to play that character badly or not give it the sort of gravitas and the layers that she has. So I think... For me, Emma Stone steals this one. I thought so too. I thought she was brilliant. So what does she get up to? Let's talk about... So we've got Sarah and the Queen having a lesbo romp fest. Um, right. Sorry, it sounded like a tabloid <laughs> there. But, uh, so yes, they're getting it on secretly. Obviously, this can't come out to anyone. And Abigail... She knows about it. She finds out. So she subtly blackmails Sarah, who has kind of taken her under her wing... And uh, Sarah's not happy about it. And because Abigail knows that uh, the queen is up for this kind of shenanigan, she, I think, secretly starts to plot how she can get into the queen's bed and become, dun, 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 the favorite. (laughs) Well done. That's very good. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean... This whole film revolves around that sort of power dynamic between the three ladies, really. Uh, and it's just everything else is just kind of fills in some gaps, really. Yeah, I think the politics is really interesting, though, because it also represents, I think, Anne's, Queen Anne's state of mind and, like, state of emotional health. Sometimes she relies so deeply on the people close to her to tell her what to do. And sometimes she insists on making her own decisions. And I found that really interesting, actually. Yes. Again, based quite uh, historic accuracy there because she, uh, Sarah was the dominant one and made decisions for her, uh, allegedly. Mm-hmm. You know, this is all 320 years old. But yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, why not? It's true. Why it's not? Who's going who's gonna to deny it? I also, I've, I think Anne, you're right, very Trumpian, but she's also very sympathetic because she's obviously incredibly lonely. She's yes. incredibly lonely and she's lashing out like a child would. Obviously, her behavior is not uh, exemplary, but she's deeply sad and deeply insecure and deeply. Maybe, maybe that's how maybe that's how President Trump feels. <laughs> Your president. Sorry, I shouldn't. Uh, I do hate him. I, I don't feel bad for him, but I bet he's hiding a deep sense of self-loathing I'm and sure fear. and one day someone in 320 years someone will make a movie about that and it'll be better than the favorite and I can't wait if I'm still alive <laughs> as a head in a jar or however it's going to work 
Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, jostling for position. Uh, so Abigail and Sarah are being played off one another by Queen Anne. They all know kind of what's going on. Abigail slowly plots to mm-hmm. remove Sarah. Um, so let's kind of talk overall how we felt about the film. I thought this is a great film. Not a lot of action. It kind of felt like House of Cards in that way. A lot of dialogue, a lot of conniving, backstabbing, which can be a little bit exhausting, I find, for a two-hour movie. Um, How did you feel about that? I agree. I thought it was brilliantly done. I thought it was really well directed and really well acted, and it was interesting. But it was not an easy watch, partly because I I felt it was very sad uh, to see all of that manipulation. I don't know. It bummed me out, mm. even though, obviously, it was really well done. And I also thought that it was slow moving, as you said. But still a great film. It's murky. Makes you feel a bit dirty, doesn't it? The yeah, like House and, of Cards, actually. Yes. That's a really good comparison. And there's not really... It's one of those movies there's not really anyone good to root for. Yes, that's but, so true. I mean, at its heart, this is... I've seen it described as a tragic comedy. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of uh, about right, really. This mm-hmm. is a funny movie. There are some great moments, some great lines. It's not... Funny enough to be just a comedy, I think. No, but, it's kind of a dark comedy. But it has a real fresh feel about it because it's a costume drama, um, but they're using heavy curse words and it's just things you wouldn't quite expect from a typical costume drama. And I think that actually gives it a real fresh feel as well as the music. You know I love the oh, music. Oh, the music was really, really good, yeah. You're never going to listen to this score on its own because... <laughs> A lot of the time, two minutes, it's just playing one note that's just building suspense, but it marries the scenes so well. Really, really good. And there's some great cinematography in it, particularly the last scene. Yeah, really interesting. Fading. And uh, there's, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to love about this film. And at the heart of it, I think the three female leads just uh, unbelievable performance by actresses who seem to be like in the peak of their at the prime of their career, particularly Emma Stone. I'm throwing it out there. She won it for me. Uh, although I, I think Olivia Colman will get the uh, will get the Oscar, possibly. Yeah. Who knows? But I'm going to say four out of five to conclude. How do you feel? I concur. Four out of five. Four out of five. Please go and watch it. It's fresh. It's funny. It's a tiny bit... Day. Mm. <laughs> but we like it. Yeah, it was good. Oh, it is fun to be queen sometimes. If you do not go, I will start kicking you. And I will not stop. My dear friend, how good to see you've returned from hell. Right, so last week, John introduced a new game called Talk Silly to Me. The concept is John's taken famous film quotes from various movies and has done something with the audio, being the audio whiz kid that he is. And I basically have to guess the film. Points mean prizes, as they do in any other game. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and John, I generally loved it. We got lots of great feedback. Uh, I think the best comment I've ever heard was, I've never heard copyright infringement look so fun. 
Exactly. That's what it's all about. <laughs> so, but I did. I did get. Do you think I'll get all four this time? Have you been? Uh, have you? You said you're going to kick it up a notch. There's five actually. There's five. I've went a bit crazy. <laughs> so maybe I should save some for another week. But no, 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 no. Yeah, leave it out in the field. I don't think you're getting all five this week. Right. One, there's a bonus one as well at the end, but I don't think you're getting all five. I've challenged you. All right. All right. Let's, so let's hear it. Are you ready? First, first one. First one. The classic reversal. Here we go. <laughs> the old switcheroo. <laughs> go on then. Any idea? Oh god, you have made this a lot harder. Can you play it again? Is it Ace Ventura? No, it's not. Oh, okay. What was it? It was Love Actually. And he's got a big knob. (laughs) We have to play that. Put that over. And he's got a big knob. Okay, next one. Are you ready? Go for it. From your dismal display. Oh, God. Number two. Number two. Ryan, pay attention now. This is the way to drive. Continue, Jackson. What I mean by that, sir, used to put me in this here sniper rifle anywhere. Up to and including one mile, Adolf Hitler. With a clear line of sight, sir. Back your bags. Battle's war's over. Amen. That's brilliant, pumpkin. You sped it up. It's uh, Saving Private Ryan. I'm impressed. Yes, Saving Private Ryan, well done. I sped it up very fast. It was, I wanted to try and gauge how fast I picked fast up I the Tom go. Hanks, and I was like, oh, it's Tom Hanks. Then mm. I heard Sniper Rifle, so I can't tell you what scene that was, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, that Well was. done. That was right. a tough one. Okay, you ready? Yeah, three. Give it a rest, will you, Butterball? Come on, you can use the exercise. I can use the exercise. Look at you. You, you, you have your own climate. That sounds so familiar. What have you done to it, first of all? That one, I put a sort of old-timey vinyl effect on it. Oh, so that's not part of the film. I was thinking like it was no, some old-timey film. No, it's a modern movie. All right, play it again. Give it a rest, William Butterball. Come on, you can use the exercise. I can use the exercise. Look at you. You, you, you have your own climate. Monsters, Inc. Well done, yes. Monsters, Inc. Well done, well done, well done. Yeah, I just remember that bit when him and Scully are, are talking away. And uh, yeah, I just remember that line. Uh, Look at you, you got your own climate. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go on then. All right, next one. So you got three out of four. Is it three out of four? Two, two, out, of three. two out of three. Two out of three. Sorry, two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf once said. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Oh, let me just introduce what I've done to it. Okay. Okay, so this is the classic pitched up... You know, worms noise. Oh, uh, okay, right, yeah. I think you're going to get this because it's, I think it's a movie you like. But here we go. Sped up. Pitched up. Because I don't fucking believe in vampires. Well, I believe in my own two eyes. And what I saw is fucking vampires. It's obviously something to do with vamp- Is it Blade? No. Oh, fuck. Um. Tarantino. Oh, Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn. Uh, I, don't know if I didn't get one. No, I don't get a point for that. All right, so. I should be ashamed of myself. <laughs> That's no, a good one, that. All right, it's good to see George Clooney in that clip as well. I forgot that movie. I haven't watched it in years. What he, a good movie. He keeps doing these adverts for, for coffee, and I can't help but think, he's a suave motherfucker. <laughs> you, do, you should not be doing coffee. You are George Clooney. George Clooney's face should not be promoting coffee. It should be on some heist movie doing memeable faces. That's what he should be doing. Anyway... That aside, man crushes aside. What's the next one? Last one. Okay, so this one is the classic movie. Uh, sorry, quote from one movie, music from another movie mashup. Right. Okay. Now, as well as this, the quote has been messed about with to go along with the music from the other movie. Ah, oh, I see. So you changed the speed of it to go. Well, along with the... you'll see what I've done. Ah, oh, you're a mashup master, John. Are right, you let's, ready? Let's, let's go. <laughs> 
any of that really yeah that's there's so much clashing happening at the same time my brain can't can't comprehend i'm gonna give you one more go go on then I don't know. I don't. I've come. I know people will be listening to this screaming on the morning commutes <laughs> on the train. I is thought you'd get the quote. Okay, the music yeah. is Halloween. Oh, okay. Fucking hell, I should have got that one. Great horror music there. The quote is from Notting Hill. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him <laughs> to love her. And I made it in a demon kind of effect. That, that's incredible. I think you should be making horror movies. I think there's, uh, yeah, I like I like the sort of rom-com horror mashup. Might be doing more of that in the future. Oh, amazing, amazing. So what's next? Love Actually with Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Could could work. We'll it see. could be Chainsaw Massacre, actually. <laughs> there we go. We should, yeah, that's probably why we're not directors. But, oh, my God, that was so hard. Like, pe- I suppose the pressure of uh, all that at once. So is that three out of six? Two out of three, six. Three out of five, isn't it? Well, that last one was for two was points. Oh, really? Oh, damn it. So, yeah, it's three out of six. Not good. Not good. So, anyway, if you've got ideas for mashups that John can edit and play around with, uh, let us know on uh, email, podcast at talkfilmwithme.com. John, I, I feel silly. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filming to Me. Or even better yet, tell someone about it. You can get in contact with us on Twitter or email podcast at talkfilmingsme.com. John, how can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Descomento. Till next time, stay filmy. Talk filmy to me.